1: I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Well, what an appropriate week to open with some exciting news that I'm about to share, especially for those of you who call the tri-state area of Connecticut, New York, or New Jersey home. Appropriate because we're less than a week away from the 4th of July, and what I'm about to share is something that could quite literally help someone in this audience or someone you know, declare their independence from the need for a paycheck. Okay, have I got your attention? So, for the last decade, Brooklyn Robot Foundry has been offering creative robot building programs for children and adults in company-owned locations throughout New York City. In 2015, they began setting up their company for franchising, and they are now ready to launch. But, these industry disruptors aren't just bringing their franchise brand to market the old-fashioned way, no. Brooklyn Robot Foundry is celebrating the launch of their franchise program with a frandowment competition. That's right, a pitch competition that will remove all barriers of entry plus the first year of fees for one qualified applicant. Now, this applicant will not be just anybody. No, this person will have the dream of small business ownership and all the right stuff to accompany it, except perhaps for the ability to secure the necessary capital to make that dream come true. This might be especially true of individuals that live in marginalized communities. So, here's the deal. To earn this prize, valued at plus-minus $60,000, the winning frandowment competitor must reside in and be willing to operate his or her Brooklyn Robot Foundry business within the tri-state area of New York. They must wish to establish their future in the world of children's enrichment programs and be able to impress a panel of judges, including yours truly, on a number of challenges, from business skills to marketing acumen. Each challenge will showcase the candidate's prowess or potential in the skills needed to run a successful Brooklyn Robot Foundry business, from leadership to social media proficiency. Candidates will be screened and evaluated in several phases over a several months long period the competition will begin with an application which will be available on the foundry's website beginning july thirteenth and applications for this fee-free franchise will be accepted until midnight august fifth Announcements will be made at the end of each round via social media regarding which candidates get to move forward in the competition. More about the competition, the brand, and its franchise opportunities can be found at foundryfranchise.com. More on this in the weeks ahead. And speaking of declaring one's independence, it was almost two years ago to the day that John Tezza declared his from the restaurant world and became president and chief development officer at Hand & Stone Massage. Then, about a year later, John stepped up once again, becoming Hand & Stone's CEO. He's one of my best franchise friends for life, and he returns to Franchise Today in two minutes or less to tell us all about it.
0: Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, Franchise of
1: restaurants, bars, grills and taverns, and multi-unit franchisees, listen up. This message is for you. Atmosphere TV wants to help you cut costs on overpriced cable TV for your business and either replace it completely or partially if sports programming is essential at your locations. What Atmosphere TV provides are 100% John Teza is the chief executive officer for Hand and Stone Franchise Company, the franchisor of Hand and Stone Massage and Facial Spas. As CEO, John is responsible for driving the company's brand strategy and performance across its 500 plus spas and clinics throughout the U.S. and Canada. John is a passionate brand builder and is committed to Hand and Stone's mission to make high-quality spa wellness and beauty experiences more accessible, affordable, and professional for clients, and team members. John Tezza, welcome to Franchise Today.
2: Hey, Stan. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
1: Well, it's been a minute too long since we've seen each other, much less even spoken. So a lot going on in your life and all of it good from everything that I see in here. Yeah. So if I'm not mistaken, John, we're coming up on an anniversary of about two years since you left food. Any buyer's remorse?
2: That's right. And thanks for noticing the uh, the anniversary stand. Uh, it was August of 2020 that I joined Hand in Stone. You know, look, I, I've been involved in multi-site consumer my entire life. The restaurant industry has been very good to me. I've enjoyed being a big part of it. I loved being a part of the National Restaurant Association board, and still have great contacts there today. I think the the restaurant environment, like a lot of domains within multi-site, has been so dynamic over the last couple of years. And it's changed so much. I'm not sure that I'd even recognize it much anymore, but you know, we're busy pushing this brand forward and, and working really hard to optimize the health and wellness domain. It's been nice just being a consumer at the, in the restaurant uh, space for the last couple of years.
1: Well, we're gonna unpack a lot of what's been going on since he left the restaurant world, but let's do what we do every week. Roll the tape back to the beginning as most everyone in the franchise world that isn't born into a franchise dynasty usually doesn't get into franchising with intention. It typically finds us. You may be a hybrid of that, though. Tell us your story. Why don't you?
2: Yeah. So I'm, I'm a little bit of a, maybe a little bit of a unique individual in that I've really, professionally, all I've ever been a part of is franchise businesses. I joined uh, 60 days out of college 25 years ago, hard to believe. 25 years ago in 1997, I joined then 300 unit Quiznos brand right out of college. And since that period of time, I've been involved in franchising my entire career. I've been on kind of every side of it. I've been a, a I spent the lion's share of my career on the operating side of high growth franchise businesses. But I was fortunate to spend three years with Aziz and Susan in NRD as an investor in multi-site and franchise companies and additionally franchise uh, technology companies that service the franchise industry. Um, and I've also been a franchisee. So I've really seen it from really, every, you know all three
1: of the major angles. I wanted to take us back to those early days at Quiznos and what was your responsibility and your role then? What brought you into this business? And were you interviewing for a franchise position, or were you interviewing with a company that happened to be in franchising and was looking to hire you on for some specific reason or objective that franchising came along with it, instead of it being all about franchising? What was your role early on?
2: Yeah, so so it was very much the latter. It, it was an organization that I decided to join that happened to be a franchise. I joined as a uh, in the operations world. I was my first job was as a field auditor, going around and, and you know I think you know today it would be called a franchise operations consultant. There was a bit of a different spin in that that was a system that was run by area directors. And so uh, myself and one of my college teammates joined the organization at the same time. And it was really our job to go in and and audit the auditors, so you can you can imagine how popular we were right out of the gate. But I pretty quickly transitioned into operating some uh, company units, and it was great. I spent really the first two years of my career there, really working to understand the, the underlying foundation of the restaurant business and more broadly how franchising worked. I had been, you know, I like like a lot of kids, I I spent my formative years, high school years, working in restaurants. I've been in restaurants since I was probably 14 years old, but I hadn't experienced the franchise system up until the, until that point. And really over the course of that, those first couple of years, I was really, I was exposed to really what makes franchising work, right? How do you drive system standards? How do you make sure that you've got come your compliance against those standards. How do you make sure that you got consistency in how the brand is represented? How do you best manifest or within the four walls and outside the four walls? And those were all the things that I was I was able to get experienced with in my first couple of years. And then I shifted over to development. And every, I think that my, you know my first you know you call it three to five years at Quiznos was really. Formative in that I, I got to experience the operation side of the business and then I very quickly got to experience development side of the business and really that sort of duality and understanding what it was like from an operating perspective and then understanding the other side of franchising, which is scaling, was really they were important
1: formative years.
2: The development
1: years. What years were those? Oh geez, uh,
2: I think so. I, I probably moved into my first development role in '99, and then really spent the majority of my time with that brand was was in development, and that's kind of the, the world that I came up in, right? You know, I ended up as the EVP of, of development there. spent I spent five years, as you know, as the chief development officer of Jersey Mike's, and had just a wonderful experience helping that organization grow from about 400 units to about 1,100 units, with another 600 on the books to open when I left Jersey Mike. So I pretty quickly moved into sort of a, a development-specific domain. And, and then over the course of the rest of my career, really broadened my experience.
1: It's kind of interesting when you think back and look back at it, that you and I have roots in the same place in that my formulative of years in franchising when I broke away from residential real estate, first years were Blimpy. Yeah, So I was doing Blimpy as you were doing Quiznos. And if you broaden your scope on that and look at Jersey Mike's, Subway, Blimpy, Quiznos, all four of those brands were still on the rise in the early years that we were there. But look at how many different things happened to those four sandwich brands. And the contrast is pretty extreme, isn't it?
2: Yeah, no question. And then you think about brands like Jimmy Johns and Firehouse that came up behind it. And and others, right? There's a there's a lot of great sandwich brands. Sure. I've got a distinct affinity for the Jersey Mike's brand. I haven't grown up on it. I've known Peter for so many years. I've, I you know, my some of my closest friends in the business remain at Jersey Mike's driving that business forward. Yeah, you probably don't remember this. I was with Jersey Mikes. Yeah, you, Brian. Summers and I jumped in a car and we drove to DC for a meeting and Brian and I were amazed you actually got Tony Kanza on the phone you called Tony from the car I remember and told, him the, and told him that you were actually you called him from the original Jersey Mike's if I remember I, I, think was, you're I right. I was amazed by that absolutely amazed by that
1: well those were some great years and my years at Blimpy really are Foundational to so many things that followed for me. The work in diversity that I've gotten the privilege of doing all these years has been an outgrowth of my time spent at Blimpy. And to this day, I'm certain that Peter Cancro will pick up your call and Tony still picks up mine. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So move on from there, John, take us on a journey or a portion of the journey that hits some of the high spots and the milestones of your career. And when we come back after a quick break, a little bit later on, we're going to talk more about today, the here and now and the hand in stone experience that you're part of molding the clay on these years. But get us there first with some of the other milestones along the way before we hit a break.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I count my milestones in the business really connected to the people that I've had an opportunity to work with and the franchisees that I've had an opportunity to spend time with and see them grow. My years at Jersey Mike's were incredibly successful working with Peter and with Hoyt Jones and Rich Hope and Mike Manzo and that whole team there, Brian Summers. I actually just spoke with Brian last night and just to see him now chief development officer of that brand and at the helm and really driving the organization's growth, it might be one of my fa- the favorite things that's ever happened in, in my career. Is seeing, seeing Brian ascend to that role and doing so well, you know, I think about having the opportunity to work with Aziz and Susan, and you know, just an incredible entre- entrepreneur like Aziz and and somebody like season with this just really high EQ. I think about the opportunity to have worked with Frank Pacey, who I think is one of the smartest people that have ever been in multi site consumer. He's just brilliant. The work that he's done across his career, early in my, in my early days working with Steve Schaefer um, and John Fitchett and, and Brian Belmont and the, the people at Quiznos was unbelievable. And then I'm so fortunate to align with the Hand and Stone brand. I'm so excited about where we are and uh, what we've just come through and where we're going. This is an amazing team. Todd Leff, and, you know, John Marco first as the founder and then Todd, as um, I like to call him the de facto co-founder, he doesn't like it very much because I think he, he thinks it gives short shrift to John, but the two of them, what they built here is nothing short of amazing. And I'm just honored to now be the, the steward of this brand moving forward. I have a phenomenal team. That's really incredible tenure. They've been with the brand on average 10 years. They know this brand inside and out and really looking forward to driving the brand forward. I don't know, maybe it'll come up later in the discussion or not. We, Recently went through a transaction, so living like when capital partners had been our sponsor for a number of years. They invested in the company in 2015. And we just completed a process whereby Living Lakeman Capital Partners sold to Harvest Partners out of New York City. And so we've got new partners in the business who are fully invested in our our vision for the brand and what we're going to do to continue to drive it forward. And Sam, we've known each other for a long time. I think you know I tend to have a recency bias around accomplishments or whatever. and, And I'm
1: just incredibly, incredibly excited about where this brand is and where we're going. I just wish you sound so down in the mouth. You know, I wish I could do something to get you excited, pump you up, do something. I mean, come on. You know, you bring, and it's hard to hide it, really. You bring the second most urgent and important thing needed to succeed in franchising. You've brought it wherever I've known you and wherever you've gone, and that's passion, and it's evident. How passionate you are about what you're doing, and we're going to talk more about it. But I'll come back to this side first and just talk a little about you and technology and you and franchising. And if you were able to never have to work to get what it is that makes you have that fire in the belly and passion that you're all about, what would John Teza do? Yeah, it's a great question,
2: Stan. It's funny. Recently, we did some we did some work, strategy work as a team, and we did it all- one day offsite. And I asked each of my team members to come up and talk a little bit about kind of the things that move them and drive them and what's really important to them and what i said to the crew is i there i have three great loves I, I enjoy doing a lot of things but i have three great loves The first is my family. The second is the New York Yankees. Uh, And the the third is growing businesses, right? Seeing things grow. I have an incredible passion for taking something that I feel like has not yet sort of met its manifest destiny, right? Has not yet achieved its full potential and helping put the right systems and processes and people and scaling mechanisms around it so that it can achieve its full potential. If I wasn't actively engaged in the business of growing the Hand & Stone brand, or, or any brand I would be doing that with something right that's just that's that's what moves me that's what gets me up in the morning that's what keeps me up at night that's is how to help optimize the potential of whatever it is that I'm working on
1: um, my kids don't always
2: appreciate that but that's what moves me
1: well two out of three of those loaves aren't bad <laughs> don't, don't i'll leave it to you to figure that don't out throw any shade on the edge. so but john talk technology a little because you've become somewhat as much an icon around technology and franchising as you have franchising and development and investment so where has that come from and how do you manifest that today
2: yeah so i was fortunate or unfortunate depending on your perspective to have gotten exposed to Wired Magazine and, and in particular Kevin Kelly and, the, and what he's written over a long a long period of time. And that's really what kind of fueled my interest in, in technology. I'm not a technologist. My view on technology is almost always from first a business perspective and second a consumer perspective. And my gosh, from a from a technology perspective, right, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely two left feet. But I appreciate what has happened in the multi-site consumer domain and the franchising domain as a result of organizations leveraging technology. And I think that's what really started it for me. That's where I got involved with the IFA in the 10X program. And that's kind of what drives me is, is, is how how can brands, uh, both the brands I'm working on and the more broadly, right, the, the community of brands, leverage technology to move their execution and their operation forward more quickly. For us right now, we launched a cloud-based POS system two years ago. We're still deep in the optimization phase of that. We are getting ready to launch Website and an app, and in doing so, we've really reimagined our user experience, and we're trying to really simplify our user experience. But the big change for us, or the the big opportunity for us, is in launching a, a true dynamic CRM. We have incredible customer attribution; we know who every one of our customers are, and we know what they we know what their longitudinal relationship with the brand looks like. Which means we have the ability to help them optimize that relationship, whether it's coming in more often, whether it's experiencing moving across modalities and getting both a, a facial and a massage, whether it's providing the right upgrade suite to them, whether it's giving them the opportunity to buy gift cards online. We know we have the opportunity to, for them to deepen their journey and their experience with the brand through leveraging technology at a higher level. And that's what we're really excited about doing. And I think that's our journey. I think that's what you've seen is brands, both big and small, really begin to think about their own journeys, right? I'm always struck. I was at the Franchise Update Media Group's customer experience conference very, briefly this week we went in because we were up for an innovation award for a service that we launched and I'm always struck by the dichotomy of big brands that are doing really interesting things in technology that have the resource base to be able to do it in-house. And then the other side of the spectrum is smaller brands that would love to have the ability to move their businesses forward, but they lack the internal resources to do it themselves. And so that's where you get a lot of the, the third leg of the stool in the, in the franchise community is around the supplier base and you know, without a really active supplier network particularly folks that are in the smaller or nascent or pre-emergent state would have a really hard time tapping into technologies. And so, you know, I have a passion for it kind of across the spectrum, whether we're talking about third-party technology companies that are working with smaller brands or somebody like Inspire Brands that is just driving technological transformation within all of their brands on a day-to-day basis. We know we have to solve the human side. We, we know we have to continue to heighten the human side of this business, right? There's no question that in, in every experience, irrespective of the of the domain, There's a consumer who's a human and there's somebody servicing that consumer who's a human. We need to make sure that we continue to heighten the experience for both our team members and, and the consumer, but right side by side with that is this opportunity continue to to leverage technology to make that relationship better.
1: How many years worth of advancement would you guess technology has leaped post-COVID or through COVID? It was already a fast-moving trend, there's no doubt, but how much acceleration would you guess there has been in technology through this COVID era?
2: Yeah, hard to say. I might, you know, if I had to, put, if you peg me to a number, I'd say ten years. And I don't think it was as much technology changing as the user experience at both the consumer side and on the operator side, leveraging existing technology to change operating processes. Right. So you think about off premise ordering in the restaurant industry and third party off premise ordering in the restaurant industry was not new. Right, that existed pre-COVID. What was fascinating was to see how quickly the consumer adopted it. And then what was even more yeah. fascinating was to see how quickly brands, particularly brands that had a little bit of scale, said, maybe there's a way to do this where we're not giving up 25% of the value of every order or, or to structure this operationally so it's much more efficient and still very profitable for our operators. So, And look, we saw a lot of that at Hand in Stone. Right? We went to a, a contactless environment almost overnight. Our spas were closed for eight weeks total. And in some cases, they were closed for one. Some jurisdictions, they were closed for even longer than that or unlimited services for even longer than that. But when we began to reopen the spas, we we reopened them in a contactless environment. We went from basically paper in our intake process prior to COVID to all digital almost overnight. Right. That wasn't a function of technology as much as it was a function of a, a need to alter our operating processes to meet the then current environment. Technology enabled it for sure. But COVID was the ultimate push demand. Right. COVID created the ultimate push demand in a lot of ways. And so in th- that's the way that I think it's, re- it's really acceler- accelerated the transformation.
1: Tell you what let's do. Let's grab a quick break right here and pay some bills. And then when we come back, let's dive all the way into Hand in Stone and what you walked into, what has morphed already, and more importantly, all those good things that lie ahead. We're talking today with John Teza, CEO of Hand in Stone, and we will be right back.
0: Franchise Today will be right back. But first,
1: a word from our sponsors. We are all familiar with Vistage, YPO, and EO. Well, now comes Zor Forum, a somewhat similar type of executive group, but this one comes with a twist. Zor forum groups are exclusively for franchisors. Imagine a peer group for sharing and networking on a platform built exclusively for franchise executives. Zor forum members are afforded unparalleled access to best practices and some of the brightest minds within the franchising world through regular meetings and a dedicated communications platform. In this post-COVID world, a franchise-specific mastermind or peer group is an endeavor worth making time for. Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zorforum. Learn more at Zorforum.com. That's www.Zorforum.com. And my conversation continues today with John Tezza, CEO of Hand and Stone Massage and Facial Spas, and it's really hard for me to just think of John as something that's not restaurant related. I'll get used to it, buddy, but <laughs> it's got to be a big change in your world though, going from penny profits to this world that you are in today.
2: You know, it Stan, you'd you'd be surprised it's really it's really not. I mean, the biggest change is obviously the not having a a cost of goods line item. And I and, and I want to be clear, we do have a cost of goods line item. We sell a fair amount of product and there are some consumables that we use within in delivering our services. So it's not like there's no cost of goods to be managed. But in terms of a comparison to the restaurant industry, it's, it is a difference in kind, yeah. not, not a difference in degree. But apart from that, a lot of the same things apply, right? Customer experience is customer experience. We do a really good job of measuring it and delivering that measurement to our franchisees. But At the end of the day, making sure that you're optimizing and heightening the customer experience crosses domains. There's nothing different about that. Marketing to the end consumer and and capturing share and making sure that that we've got the right service offerings. In a lot of ways, there's a direct corollary to what we do in the restaurant side of the business
1: well interesting
2: yeah they're much more like, and then of course just from a franchising perspective for sure right i mean it's at the end of the day having great franchisee relations and delivering value to your franchisees in terms of operating capabilities and having the right human resource capabilities in the team there's nothing different about this domain than the restaurant domain and that from that perspective
1: so let's talk some about the consumer experience And what drives the consumer to hand in stone as opposed to any of the other either franchised or independently owned and operated spas? There's got to be a value proposition that has helped this brand grow to 500 plus and continue at the speed that it's moving. Tell us a bit about that.
2: Yeah, so look, our mission is to deliver high-quality spa services to the middle market in an affordable, convenient, and professional manner. That really is kind of our whole purpose of being. I like to say that we're really more of a deconstructed spa experience than a single modality clinical experience that's really rooted in pain management. This is really about giving our clients the ability to manage their emotional and physical well-being through their affiliation with our brand. We're a true dual modality brand. So a third of our business comes from skincare services. So we are truly dual modality. So two thirds massage, one third coming from skincare. And we get incredible cross attachment about a little less than 45% of our clients will use us for both modalities in a given year. So it's not like we've got one core consumer that's massage and one core consumer that, that's skincare. We are seeing kind of a melding of those two consumer targets. Really compelling membership proposition. So for sixty-nine ninety-five, a member gets a monthly massage or a facial. Really incredibly portable and flexible membership model. So we don't do annual contracts, it's a month to month membership. We allow our membership credits to accrue. So if you don't use it one month, you can use it the next month. You can use it on an upgrade. And it's also portable. So a hand in stone membership a service credit is redeemable at any spa across the network. So really flexible footprint. A big part of what we do pertains to our enhancements. So we welcome our guests into a, really a, a journey with the brand. We want them to experience the membership for sure, but we also want them to have the opportunity to upgrade their service. So about a third of our massage services are upgraded, and about two-thirds of our skincare services are upgraded. And both of those numbers continue to grow. And so we've got a really diverse and a wide array of enhancements that our clients can participate in, and they continue to do
1: so at a really high level. It's no surprise to me that you found your way to a place like this after all of those posts on Facebook about your Newark Airport experiences that... (laughs) This has got to be a real perk and a benefit for you now, right? <laughs> well, it's funny.
2: So I've been with the brand for just a couple of years. I've been a member for over ten years. I've been a member at the second spot in the system, our Spring Lake Spa, which is now owned by Nick Marco, who is the son of John Marco, our founder. And so I've gotten regular body work for a long period of time. And you know, you joke about the airport, but it's true, in part to kind of stay upright and stay on. Air. <laughs> and I've known the brand for a long period of time. It was founded at the Jersey Shore in Tom's River, New Jersey, which is at the time I'm from the next town over in Breck. At, at the time, my wife and I were actually living in Tom's River. We lived less than a mile away from where John opened the first Hand in Stone. And so, look, I'm a Jersey guy. It's a brand that started the Jersey Shore. It's been on my radar screen for a long time. And like I said, I've been a member for over 10 years. And what I saw that really attracted me to the business was really a clear Member benefit, right? clear point of differentiation in the marketplace. I really appreciated the member proposition again, having been a member for so long. I liked their positioning. I liked our positioning. I liked our continued positioning, particularly in the massage space of being a challenger brand and having a clear point of differentiation against the largest player there. I will tell you, I was tangentially aware of our skincare business, but I had no idea it was such a meaningful part of the business. And quite frankly, it's really a second major lever for us to continue to grow. We're a third, a third skincare today. I believe that in the next five years, we can get that number to 50% and we can be truly, each modality can stand side by side. Because of my relationship with the brand as a consumer, I was aware that they were process of going through a technology transformation and moving from a server-based, unit-based POS system to a cloud-based POS system that was going to give them the flexibility to really carry their user experience forward significantly and ultimately you know, to continue to advance the overall technology positioning of the brand. And so it was a natural fit.
1: That's great, John. And on the franchise side, nothing screams louder to me than the lion's share of your ongoing development coming from those who are already owning franchises and operating units coming back for more. And that is a large part of your growth, or it was last year, wasn't it? Yeah,
2: 50% of our growth. And and that's something we'd like to continue to drive forward. You know, I think eventually I'd like it to be close to 80 or 90% of our growth as we get a little bit more mature. There's no question. I think it's a great sign of health in a system when your existing franchisees want to continue to buy in and invest and grow their portfolios. We'll always welcome folks from outside the system in to grow. I think that's kind of, that's the right ratio It's kind of 50% new and 50% existing. We are actually just now starting to really network into the multi-unit community. This is a really good model for multi-unit operators that are looking to diversify or retire an existing portfolio. This is not an absentee model and very clear with multi-unit operators. Is when I talk to them about it, but it is what I would call an executive model where the units stand alone and you can hire a general manager that can run it and be actively involved in, in the day-to-day in terms of building out the team, but not be in the spa every day. And so it really does connect well with what a lot of multi-unit operators are, are looking to do in the next phase of their particular careers. So we're excited to really start networking into that community. And yeah, I mean, the combination of existing and and welcoming new operators in, you know, particularly multi-unit operators, I think is going to help us get where we want to go from a growth perspective.
1: Who are you looking for, John, in terms of the franchisees coming from outside of your universe? What kinds of backgrounds are they coming from for the most part?
2: So again, love multi-unit operators, love folks that, are, that understand how to operate in this sort of multi-unit, multi-site world. We've seen folks come in from fitness. We've seen folks come in from uh, childhood education. Of course, we've seen folks come in from restaurants. We've got a couple of uh, really good tropical smoothie franchisees that are doing really well in our system. Eric Danver, who's our largest franchisee, was a 60-unit Papa John's franchisee in a prior life. And so we've seen existing operators really come in and have a big impact on our brand and build some success some significant success for themselves beyond that one of the most important aspects of the all operation is creating the right selling culture this business is all about membership and conversion and so folks that have a really strong selling background tend to do well in the system.
1: That's great. We're coming around the final turn here, John, before I ask you to leave contact info. What, if anything, might I have asked you and and didn't that you wished I did?
2: (laughs) I understand these conversations are always so fulsome. I can't think of anything. I just remain incredibly excited, right? The massage and skincare business, is interesting and fortuitous for all of us that are here. These were not always seen as wellness modalities. Massage and skincare were seen as almost indulgent right? They were indulgent, almost luxurious experiences. But what's happened over the last really 10 years, and it's accelerated as a result of COVID, is that our consumer now sees these modalities as ways for them to manage their physical and emotional well-being, and they've become wellness modalities. And we get to just continue to do what we do, but we've got these great tailwinds that have swung around behind us. The massage business is expected to grow at a 7% CAGR over the next five years, and the skincare services business is expected to grow at a 12% CAGR over the next five years. And so my Gosh, what a great environment to be operating in where we just get to continue doing what we do, right? We're not chasing any trends. The trends have kind of swung around behind us. Again, just what an exciting time to be leading this organization and helping it achieve kind of its most optimized state.
1: John, if somebody wants to catch another dose of your optimism and your passion, how do they find you?
2: So Teza at handinstone.com is the best way to get me. If you don't want to email me, hit me up on LinkedIn.
1: Find the other great place
2: to get me as well. And Stan, I just, again, I can't thank you enough for having me on. Our relationship has been important to me you know, through my, my entire career. And this is now the second time you've had me on as it relates to Hand in Stone. And I'm just really uh, incredibly appreciative of the support.
1: Well, I appreciate the friendship. And as I'm sure you remember is the late, great Jerry Darnell that brought us together in the first place. So I can't thank him enough for doing that. And while he's gone, you live on and you stay in my world as I hope to stay in yours. John Tezzet, CEO of Hand in Stone. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Thanks, Dan. Well, that's a wrap for today but more great summer season guests are headed your way including paris baguettes chief development officer mark mealy and slim chickens co-founder and ceo tom gordon to name just two so take us with you if you're vacationing or catch up with us when you return but either way franchise today continues to bring you the best the very best voices of sustainable growth from those who practice sensible franchising i'm stan friedman wishing you the best